Hello and welcome to season one of Romance with Heart and Heat, your podcast and YouTube show for contemporary rom-com audiobook serials. My name is Marie Matthew and I'm the author of the stories you're going to hear on this channel. The title of season one is The Bad Girl List and this is a fake dating second chance rom-com set in California wine country. Find out how one life-changing vacation list puts the heart of Dominique Chen on the line when she meets sexy wine grower Trevor Moretti. The content of this channel is intended for audience members that are 18 years and older. There is some explicit content on this channel. There is light swearing and there are some explicit spicy scenes. So I don't want any surprises as people move into the story so you have been warned. Be sure to stick around at the end of each episode for author commentary. And if you have any questions or comments, you can drop them into the comments section in YouTube, or you can also send me an email at romancingmarie at gmail.com. I'll do my best to answer questions and comments in future episodes on the show. Please like and subscribe to my channel on your favorite platform, whatever that happens to be. And please help me spread the word and share the show with your friends. Now, as you're listening along, if you get to the point where the tension's too much and you just can't wait to find out what happens next, you can head over to mariematthew.com and you can purchase the complete season of The Bad Girl List over on my website. It's available in ebook format, audiobook format, and there's also autographed hardbacks and paperbacks. So you will get the entire season for free on YouTube and the podcast. But again, if you just can't wait, head over to mariematthew.com. Thanks so much for listening. And now it's time for some romance with heart and heat. I hope you enjoy. Chapter 32. Lunch. Trevor. I stare dumbly as Dom sprints through the clearing after my dad, tequila on her heels. Tim wait. In her voice, I hear just how desperate she is to get away from me. I'd seen it in her face too but somehow hearing it drives home just how shitty I've treated her. That night we'd snuck into the pool, I'd gone after her body like a bull in rut. Less than five minutes later, I'd treated her like yesterday's garbage. She stops just past the tree line. Seeing her standing there, staring at the stream of dust kicked up by my father's retreating car, compounds just how badly I fucked up. And now my dad has decided to insert himself in the middle of my love life. Like Dom needs this drama when she's on vacation. Did he really just strand her in the vineyard with me? Why yes, yes he did. With no cell service and no way home without me. Wishing I was just about anywhere but here, I force myself to walk to where Dominique stands in the sunlight, frantically tapping on her phone. By the time I reach her, she's waving it around in the air. Is there a spot out here with reception? I need to call an Uber. She refuses to look at me. There's no cell service out here. Are you kidding me? She closes her eyes, tilting her face up toward the sun. I am so stupid. I can't believe I let him trick me like that. She gives me a look that is full of loathing and humiliation. What the hell did you say to him to make him think he needs to get involved in your relationships? Last night's epic temper tantrum in my parents' kitchen replays in my mind. Without a doubt, dad processed that display and decided to do something about it. I'm not even entirely surprised he roped Dom into coming out here with him. When my dad sets his mind to something, he doesn't let anything stand between him and what he wants. He's the guy that always finds a way to yes. My parents are just desperate enough that they probably consider this entire thing an intervention. Unfortunately, Dom is on the receiving end of their good intentions. Never mind. Dom rubs at her forehead. I don't care what you said to him. I need you to give me a ride back to town please. I hate that things are like this between us but I don't know what to do about it. Okay. My truck is over there. I wave my hand in the vague direction and start walking. Tequila hops between us as Dom trails along beside me. I think of the picture Thomas sent me last night, of her in that sexy dress with Kevin taking a body shot off her. 
Did you sleep with Kevin? The words are out before I can think better of it. She glares at me. That's none of your business. She's right of course, but her answer makes me angry. The thought of her with Kevin makes me want to drive over to his winery and beat the living shit out of him. I decide to change the subject. I notice she's in hiking boots and a pair of sexy shorts that shows off her legs. Were you out hiking today? I was before your dad called. He said he knew I was looking for a job and had a great opportunity to tell me about. So instead of going on a hike and a picnic with my family, I lied and pretended I had to go home with period cramps. Then your dad gave me a dream job offer, brought me up here and ditched me with you. If I harbored any doubts about how she feels about me, I don't anymore. God I have fucked up royally. I try to think of something to say. My dad was sincere about the job offer. He doesn't say things he doesn't mean. He lied to my face. He said he was bringing me up here for the views. Her mouth twists into an angry line. We walk in silence the rest of the way to my truck, which is parked on the far side of the picnic grove where I was working. There are just enough trees to provide shade so my car won't turn into a microwave. I'm not sure how I feel about dad hiring her, but I can't worry about that now. I open the passenger side door for Dom. She climbs in without looking at me. Tequila hops in after her. As I round the back of the truck, I pause and lean on the tailgate. Emotions are boiling inside me. I don't know if I want to beg Dom for forgiveness or get her back to her VRBO as quickly as possible. I force my feet to move. As I open the driver's door, I'm greeted with the sight of my dog sitting in Dom's lap. Tequila's eyebrows draw together as she regards me. Dom stares at my dog's back, running her hands over the light brown fur. My dog's obvious infatuation moves something inside me. Dad, I say in my high-pitched mock dog voice, why did you treat my second favorite person on the planet like a complete dickhead? Dom's face snaps in my direction, her eyes widening. I reach out and scratch Tequila under the chin. Her eyelids partially close, her tail thumping loudly against the closed door. I don't know Tequila, I say. I didn't mean to be an asshole. It just happened. Dom's brow furrows. When she looks at me, it's impossible to miss the hurt in her eyes. I feel like an even bigger dick than before. Dad, that's a terrible reason to mistreat someone who's been nice to you. You really need to apologize to her. You're right Tequila. I really need to apologize but I don't know how. Dom lets her head thump back onto the seat. Trevor. I continue on in my tequila voice. You might be my dad and I love you but you can be a real dummy sometimes. If you don't apologize to my friend, I just might eat your favorite boots the next time you leave them unattended in the kitchen. Dom turns to look at me. The silence gathers. Tequila whines. I'm sorry Dom. She lets out a small sigh. It's okay Trevor. Believe it or not, I get it. You're still in love with Elle. She shakes her head and looks away. I wish I knew what she was thinking. I wish she would yell at me or insult me or do something I can respond to. Her soft understanding of the situation somehow makes what I did seem even worse, and I have no idea what to say or do next. Can you take me back to my house now please, she says. Okay. I climb reluctantly into the truck, wishing there was something I could say to get her to stay here with me. Except why would she want to stay way the hell out here with me and my cow horns? Even if we were on better terms, I can't think of one reason why picking cow manure out of horns would interest her. I turn the key in the ignition. The engine sputters. I pump the brake a few times and try again. The engine sputters again but nothing else happens. What's wrong Dom asks. Dead battery. I grimace. Her eyes widen. What does that mean? Um, it means we have to walk three miles to the nearest vehicle. Are you kidding me? She cries. We're stuck out here? Her distress is obvious. I almost offer to get one of my other cars and come back for her. But Tequila's ears are relaxed, her eyebrows dancing as she studies me. I hear my dog's imaginary voice in my head. Dad now is your chance to fix things. Tequila is right. I decide to pull a card out of the Tim Moretti deck. Are you hungry? My dad left some food in the picnic grove. Undoubtedly, this was my dad's plan for us. How about we eat and go get another car and I'll take you home. I'm not hungry. She looks out the window back in the direction of the grove. 
In my tequila voice I say, please have lunch with us Dominique. I would be so 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 happy if you'd hang out with me and my dad for a little while. After what he did the other night, I thought I'd never see you again, and that made me really sad. As though she knows I'm putting words in her mouth, tequila's tail thumps against the side of the door. Dom finally cracks an almost smile. Okay. But only because tequila asked me, and I am kind of hungry. Something in my chest relaxes. We walk back to the grove together. Tequila hops around us, barking and wagging her tail. Dom grabs the food bag as I clear pine needles off another picnic table. According to your dad, the carnitas burrito from the taco truck is your favorite, she says into the silence. Hoping to lighten the mood I say, if I'd known he'd taken you to the taco truck, I would have slashed my own tire to keep you here. I watch for her reaction, yearning for that perfect easiness we'd had so many times together, hoping for a smile or a laugh. I don't get either. All I get is silence. After a beat she says, so it's pretty good huh? I grab onto her words like they're a lifeline. You haven't lived until you've had their food. Well luckily no tire slashing was required. Her brow crinkles in amusement, the first sign of lightness I've seen in her since she arrived. I try again, refusing to back off, trying to maneuver us back to the place we never should have left. Your opinion on dead batteries and old trucks is going to change. I take the burrito she hands me, then rummage in the bag to dig out the containers of salsa. You have to try this green salsa. I've had salsa at just about every Mexican restaurant in Sonoma County. No other place even comes close. It's really that good, she asks, clearly skeptical. We have some killer taquerias in the city. Try it for yourself and see. She grabs one of the chips and dips it into the salsa. I watch her face. She blinks as the flavor hits her tongue. This is good, she says. But there's a taco truck in the city that's better. No way. I shake my head. I don't believe you. I wouldn't lie about food. You'll just have to try it for yourself when, she falters, clears her throat and says, the next time you're in San Francisco, I can give you directions to where it usually parks outside the Golden Gate Panhandle. I'll look it up the next time I'm there, I say. She nods and opens her burrito. Another awkward silence stretches, the only sound the crinkling of the foil around our food as we eat. My mind races. Now that I have Dom all to myself with no distractions, I want to keep her talking. I want to fix things so she'll look at me the way she did in the pool and in the vineyard. Tequila comes to my rescue. She whines, tail wagging and eyebrows darting as she looks between us from her spot beside the picnic table. I think your dog wants some burrito, Dom says. You'd better give her some of yours. I take a big bite out of mine. I'm not sharing. Dom's eyebrows climb. Hell no. This is the best carnitas burrito I've ever had. I'm not sharing a single bite of it with anyone, not even tequila. She takes a bite almost as big as mine. Our eyes meet, and we both laugh with our mouths full of food. I manage to swallow without choking. Is it really better than your taco truck in the city? She nods, eyes smiling with amusement as she swallows the rest of her bite. The green salsa needs a little work, but the carnitas is mind-blowing, which is why I'm not sharing any with tequila. You're on your own, dog. Yeah, you're on your own tequila, I say. My dog whines again, tail still thumping, dark eyebrows still moving back and forth as she eyes us with hope. Dom and I move in unison, both of us grabbing a chunk of carnitas from our burritos and tossing them onto the ground. We look at each other, grinning. She has our number, Dom says. Tequila makes the carnitas disappear in less than five seconds. She yips again, head tilted and tail thumping. Should we give her more, Dom asks. No. Too much and she'll get the runs, which will end up all over my house. But look at her eyebrows, Dom says. Tequila's eyebrows are still shooting back and forth as she looks between us. And her eyes. How can you say no to that? Very easily. I lean over the side of the table and say, Tequila, no more. She immediately sits down in the dirt, resting her head on her paws. Good girl. Tequila thumps her tail in response. You're a lucky girl, Tequila, Dom says. You have a good daddy. She saved me, I say. When Dom looks at me quizzically, I add, Tequila, I mean. How so? I hesitate, wondering how much I should tell her worried that talking about L will mess things up again. Screw it I think. 
if there's anyone that's earned my complete honesty, it's Dom. The trip to Tijuana was something Thomas arranged a few months after L died, I say. I was in bad shape. Days would go by without me leaving the house. I would lay in bed and zone out to Netflix. Mom brought me groceries for a while, but finally stopped in an effort to get me to come out. I'd eat weird meals, putting together whatever I could find in the pantry just to avoid going outside. I shift, wondering what Dom thinks of this. But when I look at her, I don't see any discomfort. She's listening with full attention, her burrito resting on the table. Thomas thought I needed to cut loose and go on a binger to get out of my funk. He arranged a guy's trip to Tijuana. I didn't want to go, but he came to my house, packed a suitcase with my things and stood in my bedroom singing old Disney songs until I agreed to go. Thomas knows Disney songs? We all do. When we were kids, every Sunday night was Disney night. Mom made buttered popcorn and we'd watch a Disney movie together. Her face relaxes into a smile. That sounds nice. You're only saying that because you've never heard my brother sing. Oh I heard him, she says. He sang up a storm at karaoke. Thinking of karaoke reminds me that she was with Kevin last night. I stuff down the surge of jealousy that accompanies this thought. I have no right to be jealous. My brother is good at a lot of things but singing isn't one of them, I say, trying to keep the conversation light. That doesn't stop him though, as I'm sure you saw last night. He says enthusiasm makes up for talent. So anyway there he was singing at the top of his lungs. I threw in the towel and agreed to go on the trip just so he'd shut the hell up. I can totally see that, Tom says. How was the trip? Tijuana was too much for me at the time. Too many people, too much noise. After months of isolation, I wasn't ready for it. Thinking back on Tijuana always makes me cringe, but I don't hold back. Taking a breath, I plunge on. While Thomas and the rest of the guys went to clubs and hung out at the swim-up bar, I stayed in the hotel room and got shit-faced by myself on the balcony overlooking the ocean. I couldn't wait to get home. Then on the drive back I saw Tequila. She was dragging her broken leg behind her as she limped along the side of the highway. I made Thomas pull over. We were all eating tacos from a street vendor and I wanted to feed the dog. The guys gave me shit for wanting to stop on the highway to feed a dog, but Thomas pulled over. I got out of the car and called to her, waving the tacos to get her attention. At first she wouldn't come to me. She cowered and stayed a few feet away, refusing to come close enough to get the food. Thomas yelled at me to leave her and get back in the car, but for some reason I couldn't. I think it was because she looked so much worse up close. Her ribs were sticking out. She was skin and bones. I could tell her leg was infected. Her fur was covered with mange. I knew it wouldn't be long before she died. She'd either get hit by a car or die from infection or starvation. Tequila looked on the outside how I felt on the inside. I decided I was going to bring her back with me. I didn't have much of a plan beyond getting her to an emergency vet as soon as we got over the border. So you bribed the border patrol, snuck her through and saved her life. I nod. The guys were pissed because it delayed our trip home for another two days, but once I paid for our hotel rooms and opened a bar tab, they forgave me. Dom laughed softly. I'm surprised they didn't build you a shrine if you paid for their bar tab for two whole days. They have been known to ask when we're going to go to Tijuana to get me a second dog. I rubbed the back of my neck. Finding tequila gave me purpose. A reason to get up and leave the house. I had to go to the store for her, take her to her vet appointments, set an alarm clock to make sure she got her medication at the right time every day. She gave me purpose. After a few weeks of taking care of her, I realized I was better. She got me out of my dark place. My family gives me shit about her because I spend more time with her than with them. Dom nods, eyes intent on my face as she listens. I'm not sure why I'm telling her this, except that I want her to understand how much my dog means to me. I want her to know how much it means to me that my crazy dog likes her. Are you saying your dad brought me out as part of an elaborate plot to come between you and your dog? I chuckle. Maybe. I wouldn't put it past my dad. She reaches across the table and takes my hand, her fingers gently pressing my palm. Your parents really care about you. They do. I close my hand around hers, wishing there wasn't a table between us. 
When our eyes meet, she extracts her hand. Are you finished eating? She asks. I really need to get home. Okay. I wrap up the remains of my burrito for later. I don't want Dom to leave, but I've stalled her long enough. At least she's talking to me again, and some of the tension has eased. We have a three-mile walk to the barn, and I plan to make the best of every second. Hey guys, I'm taking a short break from today's story to tell you about a brand new wine and romance short story that I just finished up. And the story is called Wedding Ditchers. Wedding Ditchers is the wedding story of Dominique and Trevor. So because this is a romance channel dedicated to happily ever afters, I don't think it's a spoiler to let you know that Dom and Trevor, yes, they are going to end up together. They are going to have their happily ever after. It's just gonna take a few more episodes to get there. <laughs> but I did write this short story all about their wedding day and it's super cute, it's super funny, it's also sexy, of course and you can get it for free over on my website. So head on over to mariematthew.com, click the free book button in the upper right-hand corner when you get to the homepage, and you can sign up for my author newsletter. And when you do that, this free short story is gonna be delivered right to your inbox. We have both the audiobook and the ebook. So you're gonna get links to download both. And of course, that also gives you access to my author newsletter. My newsletter is a really great way to keep in touch with me. I'm not super active on social media, except for the podcast and the YouTube show. So this is a really great way to just keep in touch with my latest projects, the um, behind the scenes stuff that's happening. So be sure to head over to my website, click the free book button in the upper right hand corner and get your free copy of Wedding Ditchers, the wedding story of Dominique and Trevor in the bad girl list. Thanks a lot. Chapter 33. Kiss. Dominique. Trevor wasn't kidding when he said the barn was three miles away. It takes us almost an hour to walk to it. I'm glad I'm in my shorts and hiking boots. We keep the conversation light. Trevor talks about his farming techniques, about all the natural methods he uses to enrich the soil. I ask questions, filing away tidbits of information. Tequila hops along beside us, her tongue hanging out. Your dad was pretty evil today, I say, but it's really beautiful out here. I gesture to the surrounding vineyards. I wish I had time to sit and draw. I'm getting a million label ideas. Trevor smiles at me. We can sit for a while if you want. I don't have anywhere to be. I shake my head. I need to get away from Trevor. I can already feel him seeping back into my bones, and I don't want to risk setting myself up for more heartache. I really need to get back, I say. My family doesn't know where I am. I'll start drawing as soon as I get back to the VRBO. He nods, a pained look briefly flashing across his features. He falls silent as we continue to walk. We reach the barn. It's a beautiful old thing made of weather-beaten wood. It has soul just like Trevor's truck. God it's so beautiful, I say, stopping to admire the barn and the vineyards that surround it. I should have guessed you'd love it. Trevor pushes open one of the huge doors. Come check out the inside. I'm making compost tea. Compost tea? It's made by harvesting the plants that grow between the grapevines. We cut them down and put them in barrels of water, then leave them to ferment for a few weeks. The result is a nutrient-dense fertilizer we use to water the vines. I nod, absorbing this. Moretti is more than just an award-winning winery. It has farming practices that connect it to the earth. My brain spins off in a new direction as ideas and pictures take shape in my mind. This intense sense of creativity is what's been missing in my life for the past two years. Trevor says something to me but I'm so busy processing that I don't hear him. He speaks again. I'm sorry, what did you say? His eyes crinkle with amusement. I can tell when you're in one of your creative spurts. You get this intense look on your face. I shrug, refusing to let myself get lost in his dark eyes. 
Yeah, well, I'm an artist. I'm really excited to work on your family's label. I step into the barn, then immediately stop when I see the two cars parked inside. You guys have a lot of cars. Yeah. He says it casually, as if there aren't two extremely expensive vehicles sitting in front of us. Who do these belong to? He rubs at the back of his neck. They're mine. They're both yours? The first car is a Tesla like Thomas and Tim drive. The other is a convertible BMW. They're dusty from sitting in the barn but beneath that, they look like they just rolled off the dealer's lot. Like they're new with tags. If I was going to add them to the picture of Super Tequila, these two would be the sidekicks looking to the older, more experienced superhero truck for training. The convertible was a high school graduation gift, Trevor says. The Tesla was for college graduation. Let me guess, I say. You barely drive them. I like my truck. Gramps gave it to me when I turned 16 and got my license. I use one of these if I have to leave town, but otherwise I always use my truck. It strikes me that Trevor's family must be loaded. I don't know why this didn't occur to me sooner. Not that it matters. Tequila scampers into the barn, tail wagging as she makes several circuits around the cars and pees on the tires. I detour past the cars and walk along the rows of barrels lined up five deep along the other three walls of the barn. They're covered with burlap sacks. Do you want to see our weed tea? Trevor asks. Sure, okay. Is that different from compost tea? Completely different. It's over here. He leads me around his cars toward more barrels. He peels back the covering of burlap to reveal murky water. We harvest weeds from around the property and put them in these mesh bags. He sticks his hand into the water and pulls out a green mesh bag that's stuffed full of wilted plants. After he makes sure I get a good look at it, he drops it back into the water and recovers the barrel with the burlap. We use this to make a natural weed killer for the vineyard. Biodynamic farming is all about nurturing the soil and giving back to the earth. It's why our wines are so good. From the design brief, I knew their wines had won many, many awards over the years. I wish I'd known about your farming practices when the design brief came in, I say. It changes everything. I can tell you more about our techniques if you want. To help you with the label design, I mean. You can text me anytime you have questions. Thanks. I smile and nod, though I'm pretty sure I'll resort to research on YouTube before contacting him. A thick silence gathers between us as we stand beside the barrel. We're only a foot apart. It would be so easy to take a step and lean into him, but I don't. Trevor's eyes search my face. His hand twitches once like he wants to reach out and touch me, but he keeps it by his side. Dom, he says right as I say, Trevor? We laugh awkwardly. Go ahead, Trevor says. You first. I swallow against the nervous lump in my throat and force out the question that's been turning circles in my mind. Will you tell me what happened the other night? He doesn't ask me to clarify. He doesn't play dumb either. He knows what I'm asking. I want to know why he got so angry when he saw my butterfly tattoo. I know it has something to do with L, but I want the whole story. He looks down at his boots and scuffs his heel against the dirt. The silence stretches to the point where it's unbearable. Never mind, I say. Just take me home. I turn to walk away. His hand darts out to grab my arm. Wait, Trevor. I shake free and rub my forehead. This is too much drama. I shouldn't have asked. I just need to get away from him. I need to get back to my family, I say. She was wearing a dress with blue butterflies the night she died. A chill sweeps across my shoulders as I turn to face him. The sadness on his face, the conflict in his eyes, it's almost too much to look at. L. He swallows, still scuffing his boot heel on the ground. L was wearing a dress with blue butterflies the night she died. When I saw your tattoo, I lost it. I'm sorry. Oh. The word comes out like a sad dying fish flopping on the ground. Something in my chest compresses. My tattoo is a reminder of L in the worst way. No wonder he lost his shit and shut down. L had a thing for blue butterflies, Trevor says. She read somewhere that they symbolize the souls of loved ones who had passed. Both of her parents had died in a factory accident. That's why she was adopted. Even though she didn't remember them, she liked to think they visited her anytime she saw a blue butterfly. 
Her adopted family helped her build a small memorial shrine in the backyard of her home. She would leave things there for them. Fresh flowers. A test she was particularly proud of, sometimes even a report card. It was her way of honoring them, even if she didn't remember them. It always seemed like such a fucked up joke that she had those butterflies on her dress the day she died. Trevor takes off his hat and runs a hand through his hair. I wanted to tell you to explain. I just, I didn't know how to say it. It felt like Elle was reaching out of the grave to slap me and I felt. Guilty I supply. Yeah. He nods. I felt guilty for wanting you. Oh my god. Things are so much more complicated than I even imagined. The night of Skyview Villa takes on an entirely new shape in my mind. The butterflies were by your back deck, I say. Trevor's brows draw together. What? The butterflies, I say. I saw a small cluster of them by your back deck when you took me to your house. I drew them when I got home that night. That's where the picture for the tattoo came from. This information hangs between us in the air. It feels significant, like a puzzle piece neither of us knew was missing until now. I turn it over in my mind, watching Trevor's brow furrow and unfurrow as he processes. He raises his gaze, eyes locking on mine. I'm sorry Dom. Trevor takes a step closer to me. I'm sorry I didn't tell you. I'm sorry I reacted the way I did. I've been in a dark spiral and no matter what I do, I can't seem to get out of it. His eyes are pleading as he takes another step closer. I thought I was fine. I thought tequila and the vineyards were enough. Then I met you and… He shakes his head. You make me want to figure out a way to be happy again. I just have no fucking idea how to do it. It's so hard. This last word comes out in a whisper of anguish. My heart breaks for him. Maybe Elle is watching over you, I say quietly, finally having gathered my thoughts around the significance of the butterflies. My mom and aunties always say my grandmother is visiting if we see a hummingbird. When I think of grandma, it's impossible not to think about hummingbirds. She had a beautiful garden with lots of flowers for them. She even made special hummingbird water for her feeders. Whatever the case Trevor, if Elle is reaching back from the grave, I'm pretty sure it's not to slap you. If the way you feel about her is any indication, I'd say she loved you with her whole heart. A shudder runs through Trevor's body. He reaches for me, his fingers grabbing the belt loops of my shorts. I let him pull me to him. When his arms come around me I rest my cheek on his chest. Thank you for saying that. He kisses the top of my head. Thank you Dom. I give him a squeeze. I can't fix Trevor's broken heart but if I can give him a little solace, that's something. Dom. He tilts my chin up so that he can look at me. You're so fucking beautiful in every way. He leans down and catches my mouth with his. The kiss is slow and sensual and desperate. My body comes alive, hot and prickly and hungry for him. I can't do this. Trevor, no. I try to pull away but his arm tightens around me, holding me against him. I want to take you out, he says. On a real date. I know it's your vacation and you're going home in a few days. I know we've had a few false starts but I think there could be something between us. I really like you, Dom. I rest my forehead on his chest, basking in his words. I want to say yes. I want to throw caution to the wind and let Trevor Moretti take me on a real date. But I think of the last five years of Oliver, of how I always settled for being third in his life. It bothered me when he ditched me in bars to network or spent the entire weekend playing tennis, but I never complained. I let him treat me like a third-class citizen. I deserve a guy who will put me first in his life. As much as I want that person to be Trevor, I know it's not. He's shown me that over and over in the past few days. This is just a repeat of what happened in the vineyard the night of the family dinner, when he practically stripped me naked on the terrace. Trevor is in pain and he's using me for comfort. I know he doesn't mean to but that doesn't make what's happening any less messed up. I deserve to be more than a shoulder to cry on when he's missing L. He might really like me but he misses L more than he likes me. I can't, I whisper. You're in a relationship with someone else. I'm not discounting what you're going through but it's not fair to me. This time when I push away, he lets me go. The look he gives me makes me feel like I'm breaking in half. Somewhere in the barn, tequila wines. 
Which car are we taking? I ask. What? He's staring at me in a way that makes me hurt. Which car should I get in for the ride home? Oh. His gaze shifts to the cars, but he doesn't say anything else. I pick the one that's closest to me, the BMW. I open the passenger door and get in. The leather inside still smells new. When Tequila hops over, I wait for her to jump in with me. She scrambles into my lap and licks my face, her ears and eyebrows drooping. Trevor opens the driver's side door and gets inside. When he sees his dog with me, he sighs sadly. She knows we have a connection, he says, watching Tequila as she turns in a circle and gets comfortable in my lap. I don't know how to respond to that, so I say, I didn't sleep with Kevin. His head jerks up. You didn't? I kept hoping you'd show up and get between us, I say, looking away, so I could take a body shot off you instead of him. He kept trying to get me to go home with him. I thought about him for number 10 but, I shrug. I wasn't feeling it. He ended up getting sick from the tequila and went home alone. His eyes widen. Then he surprises me by chuckling. It dissolves some of the tension. Serves the asshole right, Trevor says. He never could hold his tequila. You should have seen him on our trip to Tijuana. If I had any doubt about Thomas running interference for his brother last night, Trevor's words erased them. Apparently, he has multiple family members who want us to be together. For some reason, this only compounds the ache inside me. Hello everyone, cheers. Welcome to the author commentary portion of this episode of The Marie Matthew Show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm the author of The Bad Girl List, Marie Matthew. And as usual, I like to start out the beginning of each episode with a toast to you. And today we're drinking Malbec. How many of you have tried Malbec? I love Malbec. I love Malbec. Today we are tasting Lambert Bridge Malbec from 2018. The grapes are from Sonoma County and this is another local Dry Creek Valley winery. This, this winery has been around forever. I think over a hundred years, like literally. <laughs> I think that's what their website says. Malbec is actually a grape that's really popular in Argentina. So if you go looking in the wine section and you're looking for Malbec, you're probably gonna see quite a few Argentinian wines. And I love Argentinian Malbec. They're so smooth and drinkable and you can have it with food or you can just have it when you wanna kick your feet up and, and watch a Netflix show like I do. <laughs> this one's really good. The alcohol's a little high, it's a little over 14%. It's so smooth and so well balanced. Like it's not hard, it doesn't, <laughs> The high alcohol doesn't bother me like it does on some other wines. I definitely recommend trying a Malbec. I looked on Lambert Bridge's website. I didn't actually see this wine anymore, so they probably sold out. This is another one of those lovely wines that magically appeared in my house because people love my husband. <laughs> they give him good wine. So I have a feeling this came from somebody's library, so I didn't see it on the website. I definitely recommend trying a Malbec and don't be afraid to try one from Argentina, even though they're usually less expensive than a California wine, but they're dynamite. They're really, really good. So definitely give it a try. Today's episode is all about Elle. And as you know, Elle is the deceased fiance of Trevor, and she plays a really, really important role in the story. If you haven't listened to the very first episode of the podcast where I introduced myself, you might wanna go back because I'm gonna touch on some of the things that I introduced to you there. But when I write, I very often work with spirits. I am something called a psychopomp, and a psychopomp is a person who helps spirits pass over. And so that is something that I do in my writing. When I work with these spirits, there's certain things that they need, and I help them achieve that, feel that, experience that through the stories, and they get the closure that they need. Usually it's a one and done in a story, but not always. So Elle was 
definitely the strongest spirit that I worked with in this story. Like, woo, like, hello. <laughs> One of my strongest intuitive or psychic senses is emotion. Things can give me their emotions to experience, which is probably why I like to write emotional stories, right? Whether it's people getting eaten alive or falling in love. <laughs> emotions are strong. I like strong emotions, but you know, I'm working with different spirits like like they hit me. Oh, it's a physical thing that like comes into my body. I'm like, okay, I got it. I got it. <laughs> or sometimes I'm crying or sometimes I'm laughing, whatever it is. But Elle, like she had an agenda. It's so interesting working with spirits. I'm not one of those mediums that can like just see spirits walking around. When I do happen to see them, I have to be in a meditative state. I have to slow my brain waves down. I have to slow my body down. Sometimes I see them then, but not always. It's my intuitive sight, my psychic eye is not as strong as some of my other senses, or at least it's not yet. Who knows? Maybe it'll develop later. So I haven't actually seen her, but I did feel her. I was talking to her. I wanted to know a little bit more about her. And like, she did come into my body and she had some kind of deformity when she was alive. And from what I could gather from her, she was from a medieval time, like a time when there wasn't running water and stuff somewhere in Europe. But like I could feel there was something in her back that was off. Um, she had some kind of deformity and she couldn't lead what we would consider a conventional life, right? Grow up, fall in love, get married, have children, die. Like that story could never be hers because of this deformity that she had. But there was a boy that she fell in love with and something happened to him. I'm not sure what, but something happened to him and she just wanted the boy she loved to find happiness. And it's so interesting, like that's what we did in the story. Like she helped her boy find happiness. Yeah, the couple scenes that I wrote with the blue butterflies, like she was here and it, like they were really intense moments. <laughs> really intense moments even though in the book like they come and they're gone with a flash but like she had a lot a lot of impact and a lot of influence behind those scenes i know something continues once the body stops because like they're here and they they hang out and they talk to me so like <laughs> they're here i know they're here i know something continues i don't pretend to have the answers of the universe but i definitely know that our loved ones are around my ancestors come visit me sometimes they need work sometimes they're helping me with things. Sometimes they're just saying hello. <laughs> Obviously the supernatural is very much part of my life. So I enjoyed bringing that to the story. I enjoyed those scenes where her spirit is literally like reaching through the veil to, to like help Trevor. If you're on YouTube, I'm wearing a shirt with a blue butterfly. Can you see it? Isn't it cool? So yeah, I wear that for Elle. It's for you, Elle. <laughs> so I really enjoyed writing these scenes where, you know, she is like actively trying to help out and i just love that and that is very much my experience with the supernatural the way they communicate with me it's not like picking up the phone and calling a friend like a lot of times they do send me signs or send me signals it was really fun to incorporate that and it all came from a sincere experience that i have when i am working with these different spirits love to hear what you think about spirits like do you believe in them or ghosts, I guess? Uh, it feels weird to use that word because there's just so much attached to it. I like spirits, but what's been your experience with the spirit realm? Like, have you had contact with someone that you love that's passed over? What do you think? Is Camille crazy? <laughs> I am anchored here in reality, but there is a large piece of me that has anchors in other realities. Um, that's just, that's just my existence.
feel free to drop comments or questions into the YouTube comment section, or of course you can always email me at romancingmarie. I do hope to one of these days do an episode where I just answer questions and, and respond to things in the YouTube comments and in the emails. So feel free to shoot them over and hopefully I'll get an episode like that done sometime in the future. Oh, and one last thing, don't forget to sign up for my newsletter, head over to my website, join my newsletter and get a free copy of Wedding Ditchers, which is Dom and Trevor's love story. So I definitely want you to get that because it's a super cute story. And when you get to the end of this, you're definitely gonna wanna read it. So make sure you sign up and get that free copy downloaded right to your inbox. Thanks so much. See you guys next week. Bye.